Okay. All right, so, you know, so this week's parasha, Parsha's Yishlach, there's actually a mitzvah that's uh, clear in this week's parasha. So I figured it would be appropriate to talk about it. You know, it's when, it's when uh, there's no mitzvah in the parasha, so I have to get a little bit creative. So over here, they have a clear mitzvah. So it says in Pasuk, as we know, Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu is uh, traveling with his family, away from Lovin and so on, and he's going towards Esav. And so it says in Pasuk, Vayivasa Yaakov Avada, Yaakov Avinu is alone. He finds himself alone. Vayavik Yishimai, Alay Sashachar, and he has this uh, wrestling match, as we know, with the Malach of Esav. Vayar Kelayachalai, he says in Pasuk, the Malach of Esav saw that he wasn't able to overtake Yaakov. But but was able to injure Yaakov in the by uh, where the, the hip and the and the thigh meet. But take a kafirach Yaakov and his and his leg became dis- dislocated. as they were struggling, and the pasuk goes on that Yaakov Inu, never, despite the injury, still uh, wins the battle, and uh, the pasuk continues. The Yaakov Inu goes on The sun miraculously rises early. Uh, to heal Yaakovinu v'tzalei and that uh, helps him helps him with his injury. So this and this is where the pasuk says our mitzvah al kin layoichlu bnei Yisrael's kedenosh. That's the the first marmakim. That's the, the in parshas v'yishlach over here. Al kin because of this story. So layoichlu bnei Yisrael's kedenosha. Because of this, the Jewish people do not eat the kedenosha, the sciatic nerve. Asher al kaf hayarech, which is on the. The uh, the joint of the thigh, until this day, because that's where Yaakov was injured in this battle, and so that's the prohibition. This is the iser of eating a gidanasha. Okay, listen, it's one of those things uh, you know we don't usually think about avoiding a gidanasha. It's not uh, on our radar usually, but, uh, but like everything else, when we investigate some of the halacha, and then we'll see the premise of it. It, like every other mitzvah, it's extremely relevant, and um, and uh, there's a lot of uh, amazing things in this mitzvah. Okay, so <clears throat> this is one of those mitzvahs that most people don't have much uh, background in, so we're not going to take anything for granted. We're going to start from ground zero, and so we'll go through in the Marmachamis. It, it looks like a lot, but it, it should pretty it should go pretty quickly. And I say that <laughs> before most year that this is going to be a quick one. All right, we'll see what happens. But uh, we'll go through some of the basic halachas of Gid HaNasha, um, and then we'll see uh, where it takes us. Okay, so we'll begin like this. In Marmaka number two, the, in, in the headquarters of the halachas of Gid HaNasha, the prohibition of eating this, uh, this, this Gid, this uh, sinew, uh, on an animal, so the headquarters is a parak in Meseches Chulan. Okay, uh, I think it's the ninth parak of Chulan. It's called Parak Gid HaNasha. And so this is the opening Mishnah, or at least part of the Mishnah, in that uh, in that parak, so it's, on, it's in Chulan Pei Testament base. The Mishnah says like this: Gid Hanasha, this uh, I think it's called sciatic, the sciatic nerve. So the Gid Hanasha of an animal. So the Mishnah tells us the basic rules. First of all, Noig Baaretz Ubechutzlaretz. This prohibition exists everywhere in Eretz Yisrael, in Chutzlaretz, right? As we know, that only agricultural mitzvahs are dependent on the land. If it's not agricultural based, like what animals are kosher, whatever. That's everywhere. So Gid HaNasha applies everywhere. If Nehabai, Shlai with Nehabai, with the base of English, not base of English, doesn't matter. B'chulin, U'mekdashin, it applies to animals which are chulin, you know, regular animals, or even a carbon. If a person uh, brings a carbon and uh, the section, the, the hind legs and so on, is uh, eaten by the kayan or whatever the case may be. So he also has to avoid the Gid HaNasha, so it applies to all animals as well. The Naik Behema, 
Ubechaya, and it applies to both behemas and chayas, domesticated animals, wild animals, doesn't make as long as uh, kosher animals. Uh, the the Gidanasha applies. It applies to both feet as well, both uh, legs of the animal, right and left. But but it does not apply to birds. This is only an issue with uh, with animals, with uh, large animals, but not birds. Now let me, I'll give you again. We're gonna. I don't have, and you're probably happy. I don't have uh, you know get <laughs> a to show you. So let's use a little bit of imagination. So if you if you imagine an animal, so the hind legs of an animal. So the way it works is that <coughs> the the joint that connects. The top part of the leg, let's call it the thigh of the animal, with the foot of the animal. So the way it works is that the muscle that's connecting those two joints, the thigh and the leg, so that's called a calf. It's called a calf. The reason why it's called a calf, that's what the Pasuk was talking about, uh, that, you per, that the, 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 we don't eat the Gidana, asher al kaf hayorech. The word kaf uh, literally means like a palm, right? Or a cup also. Because the, the shape of the muscle that's connecting the thigh of the animal and the leg is like a cup shape. It's like a round, a round shape, uh, like, a, like, the, like the letter chaf, like a spoon type of thing. It has that shape to it. And so since the Pasuk describes the Isra of Giranasha, which is the, the sinew, asher al-kaf hayorech, so says the Gemara, it, therefore it's only going to apply to an animal or to a species that the shape of that joint, that the muscle that connects the thigh and the leg is going to be the shape of a cuff, that's going to be the shape of a spoon, some circular muscle that sort of surrounds the whole joint. And that's only true for behemas and chayas. But chickens or, 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 or fowl and birds don't have that. They don't have that muscle shape in the shape of a cuff or, or the shape of a spoon or a, or, a, or a circular shape. They don't have that. And so because of that, Gidanash does not apply to, uh, to fowl. That's the Mishnah. So it applies to behemoths and chayas because they have this, the kaf hayarech, but not to, uh, not to birds. Okay, that's the Allah. Okay, fine. So now just a little bit more details in terms of where the sinew is and what it looks like and so on. So uh, it's good to know. So Marmaka number three. This is Gemar and Chulan, Tzadi Aleph Amid Aleph. So now we have, again, we've identified so far what animals it applies to, and, and it's connected to this fact that the, that the, the muscular, uh, the, the, you know, the, 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 the muscle tissue that connects the thigh and the leg on an animal, it's, the sh- it's a round shape. It's a round shape that sort of covers the entire joint. That's the, and if it fits that criteria, then it'll be an animal that has a kafa yarech, and it'll be under the uh, prohibition of Gidanash in theory. So what is this Gid? What is this sinew? Where is it? So it says like this, Omar Yudah Mishmol, Rav Yudah said the name Mishmol, Shnei Gidanhein. There are really two, two uh, sinews that go on, the, on that area. Pnimi, there's one sinew which is on the inside of the leg, right? So as you have a leg, you know, there's the inside of the leg facing each other, and then there's the outer part of the leg facing outside. So says, says Rabbi Yudam Shmuel, there's the inner sinew, which is Pnimi, Samach Etzem, and this is, the, the, the inner sinew is actually what the Gidonashe is. So you have, the way it works is as follows. The sinew, if you imagine an animal, you could like a petting zoo, right? So if you imagine an animal, you've seen it before. So this sinew starts by the tail, okay? And it's sort of, it, by the tailbone, that's where this sinew begins. That's where the Gidonashe starts. And it flows down next to the bone on the inside of the of the meat, you know, by the bone, and it continues down all the way through the thigh, 
okay? And then it makes its way out to, uh, to the uh, joint where the, bone, where the thigh then connects to the, to the leg, right? That joint that I mentioned is the calf. So the, on top of that circular muscle tissue, that's where the sinew that's until now been covered over by the thigh makes its appearance, okay? And then it continues on. So far, so good. You, you follow this. Then it continues on. It goes back into hiding, and it continues on to the rest of the leg. That's the inner, and that's this, this gid, that's the sinew. It's on the inside of the leg, and again, it starts from the tail, and it makes, all the way, it makes its way all the way down, basically, to the bottom of the foot. And it makes its appearance, though, over that joint, that muscle, that muscle, that calf, that's, right connect, that's connecting the thigh with the, with the leg. That's the, that's the inner, that's the gid hanasha. That's Aser, that is the Gid Hanasha, the Chayav and all of, and that's the, the prohibition Midaraisa of the Gid Hanasha, that inner sinew that again extends from the tail, from the tailbone all the way to the bottom, although it's covered over the whole way, the whole way down, except for that point where it makes its appearance over the joint connecting the thigh and the leg. Now, at the same time, says Shmuel, Chitzan, there's another sinew on the outside of the leg. But the, out, the sinew on the outside of the leg does not extend from the tail all the way down. It actually goes the other way. It goes horizontally. It connects, and it, and it somehow, in some way, it, uh, it sort of only exists over that area of the kafa yarech, in that area, and it's not on the inside by the bone. It's, uh, it's connecting horizontally, uh, I guess, whatever, somehow uh, you know, connecting sort of uh, the joints uh, one to the other on the horizontal side of the kaf, uh, horizontally on that kaf hayarech on the outside. You follow? So there's like a like a cross shape in the animal. On the inside, there's a sinew that goes, um, you know, top down. What's it called? Uh, vertically. There you go. That's the word. So it goes on the, in the inside of the animal's leg. There's a vertical uh, sinew going from the, the 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 tail all the way to the bottom. Again, making its appearance over the joint connecting the thigh and the leg. And on the outside of the animal, there's a horizontal sinew that only is over the joint area. That's only over the joint area. And said Shmuel, chitzayin samach labasar, that sinew that's on the outside, that's horizontal, that's only over the joint area, is not, is samach labasar, it's sort of mixed up within the muscle tissue over that joint. Aser, that's also aser, ve'in chayav l'nabon so, so there's there's two gedanoshes. There's there's the midaraisa, and that's the sinew, the vertical one on the inside, and then there's the gedanosh that's the horizontal one on the outside. Okay, that's the gemara. The reason why we make this distinction, by the way, again, these are just the basic uh, details of halacha, is because the pasuk says al kafayarech that you shouldn't eat the gedanosha. Al kafayarach. The word al kafayarach. The Gemara understands to mean that we're talking about a sinew that is that extends above and below the kafayarach. So the word al means on. In other words, not just over the muscle tissue that's the joint, but but a gid that's that that ex, that starts above it and extends below it, and that's the inner gid, not the outer one, right? Because the outer one again is only over that area. And the inner one is what starts by this, by the, by the what should we call it, by the tail, and extends all the way down. So the al kafayar, the gidanasha, that's al kafayarach means a type of the, the sinew that exi- that has its origin point before that uh, joint. That's the that's how the gemara interprets it. Okay, 
<coughs> more than that. So now we've identified what the Gedanasha is. It's that inner, that inner sinew. Now, Maramaka number four, the Gemara in Chulan at Sadivavam at Aleph gives us a little bit more detail in terms of what the prohibition is. So we've identified what sinew it is, but what part of the sinew is the prohibition? Says the Gemara Amr Shmuel, Loi Asra Midaraisa, the only prohibition is Ella Sha'al Hakaf Bilvat. So even after we've identified that the inner, it's what the what the Gedanash is, it's that inner sinew that goes from the tail all the way to the bottom of the animal. But says Shmuel, but the only part of that sinew that's a biblical prohibition is the only part of that sinew that's actually over the joint itself, that calf area, the calf ayarich, that again muscle tissue that's connecting the thigh to the leg, only over that area, the gid that's over that area, that's the one that's prohibited. So it's like an interesting thing. The, 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 there is a gid that's only over that area, and that's the one on the outside of the leg, right? But that's not the prohibition, Midaraisa. So the inner gid, which starts from the tail, gets to the bottom of the foot, that is the gid anasha, but the only part that's prohibited is the part that's revealed, that's open, that's uh, over the, the calf part of the of the animal. That's the Gemara. So that's 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 what the, that's what Shmuel says. Again, Armor Shmuel, Lai Asra the biblical prohibition, even in that inner gid, is Ella Sha'al Hakaf Bovad, is only the part of that sinew that's directly on top and over uh, the calf area. Shinemar al kafayarich. So the word al kafayarich that the Pasik uses to describe what the Gidanash is tells us two things. It tells us what gid it's talking about. It's talking about a gid that has its origin before the kaf hayarech, before that uh, uh, mus- muscle tissue, that the, the, the joint muscle. But nevertheless, even though you've identified the, the gid because of the, the fact that it starts earlier than the kaf hayarech, the only part that's prohibited is the part that's on the kaf hayarech. Okay, these are all the technicalities. Now, that's all midaraisa. okay? But midrabanan, we say now like midrabanan chazal were more machmer. Take a look at Maramaka number five. Again, these are just the basic breakdown of the halachas. The Mishnah tells us in Chum the following halacha: Hanoitel gid hanasha. If you are a butcher and you're, you know, uh, taking care of an animal and you're trying to remove the gid hanasha, Says the Mishnah, even though it's it's true that Shmuel is right, that biblically speaking, the only problem is the gid hanasha that's over the kafa yarech, but midrabanan you have to remove the entire gid. From the beginning all the way to the end, you got to remove the whole thing. That's the opinion of the of the Tanakhama. Rabbi Yehud Aimer, Rabbi Yehuda says, no, by All you got to do is just take off that particular spot, and you're good. You're you're good to go. So it's machlekes in the Mishnah again. Everyone agrees to the basic principles. Midaraisa, what's the Gidanasha? The the get, not, the get itself is that inner sinew that runs from the tail to the bottom of the foot, but the part of it that's prohibited midraisa is the only part that's over the kafayarech, that uh, muscle muscle tissue on the joint between the thigh and the leg. That's midraisa. Midrabanan says the Tanakama, but the whole thing you got to remove midrabanan. The whole thing is is midrabanan a problem? Says Rabbi that no, there's no such rabbinic prohibition. It's just that. Now, whenever you have a machlekes Tanakama and uh, let's say Rabbi Yud in this case, so we usually go with the Tanakama. and so that's halacha lemaisa. That midaraisa the gedanash is only again that the part of the sinew that's over the kafa yarech midarabanan. It's the whole thing. Now, but what's interesting is the Gemara brings a story to, I guess uh, 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 you know, to bring home this point and to illustrate this point that midarabanan the whole thing is prohibited. 
What's the story? And this we'll see when we get to the Panemius side of things. I think this story is significant. So in Marmokka number 6, the Gemara says like as follows. It's on that, on that Mishnah. It's all in Tzadi, Tzadi Vav in Chulin. The Gemara says in Maise, Bar Piuli, this was the name of a butcher. So Bar Piuli, Havakoi Kameh Shmuel. The son of Piuli, this butcher, was in front of Shmuel. The Kamenater Itma, and he was deveining a thigh of an animal. And as he was taking, taking out the Gidanosha, what's called Nikor. That's what's called in halacha. Nikor means to remove. So he's being menaker. He's removing the Gedanosha from this particular uh, thigh. The Havaka Goimlai. And what this Parpili was doing is that he was doing just taking off that particular section of the Gid. So he was using his knife and butchering tools to just take off that section of the Gid that was over the Kafa Yarech. He's leaving, though, everything that's, you know, to the tail and everything below the, below the, the, the thigh. So he's just taking off that part. And Shmuel seeing this. So I don't know if Shmuel was officially the, mach, the Rav Machsher, but he, he, it happens to be he was noticing this. So Omerlei, so Shmuel says to him, Chavis you have to take off more. You got to take off the whole, uh, the whole gid. Like, we said, like the Mishnah says, you have to take off the whole thing. Hashta, and Shmuel continued, he said, Hashta, if I didn't see you doing this, if I wasn't here right now, you would feed me treif. Right, I guess this Barpuli's meat was then going to be fed to Shmuel, whatever it is. So Shmuel's saying, like, Baruch Hashem, I caught this, because uh, otherwise I'd be eating Gedanosha. So says the Gemara Irtis, that Barpuli Butcher became so terrified of the thought that he would be uh, feeding treif to Shmuel, Nafas Lekinim he became so terrified, he dropped the knife. So then Shmuel says, Shmuel says, but don't worry too much. Because whoever taught you how to do this, wasn't completely off base. That person that taught you was going with the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda. So that's the that's the story of the Gemara. Now, obviously, even with that being said, Shmuel still tells him we don't hold like Rabbi Yehuda. We hold like the Tanakhama. You got to remove the whole thing. Okay, it's an interesting anecdote that the Gemara is bringing. For what reason exactly? Unclear. I mean, we, even without this Gemara, we would know that you should pass like the Tanakhama. That's classic uh, rules in, in Mishnayos. Tanakhama versus anyone, you go with the Tanakhama. So. Uh, you don't really need this story, but it, and even now that we have this story, so it's an interesting thing. Shmuel's first—he didn't have to. All, all Shmuel had to say was, "You got to take care of the whole thing." But he went further than that, and he said, "And if I didn't, and if I didn't see this, you'd be, you'd be, so he's trying to scare him." But then he tries to back off the fear and says, "But don't worry, because you know it wasn't uh, completely off base, because whoever told you to do like that was going with Rabbi Yudah. So, a little bit mixed messages. Is he trying to to give him fear, to make him calm down? Again, if it's just telling him what to do, he, that was the first thing he said, take care of the whole thing. Well, the whole thing is a little bit unnecessary to Bechlal. So I think uh, when we get to the Pinimi side of things, it might, it might be a little bit more explained. Okay, so what we have so far, again, just to sum it up. Say it again. No, I, no, Rabbi, this is a Tana. This is, way, this is much later. So, uh, so again, I don't need, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe that was part of him just calming him down. On a simple level, he's just saying, you're not violating a deraisa. Okay, it's a chumrah mid from the chachamim. Yeah, it's also it's a strange thing. So what we have so far is that we have what the Gidonash is, mid and we have an extension mid right? So again, mid what's the Gidonash? It's that inner sinew from the tail to the bottom of the foot. But Midaraisa, the only problem is the part of the Gidanosha that's exposed over the Kafa Yorich, over the, the joint of the between the final leg. That's the Daraisa issue. Midarabonan, though, they assured the whole Gidanosha from top to bottom. 
And as well, they assert the opposite, the gid that's on the outside of the leg that doesn't go vertically from the top to the bottom, but goes horizontally straight through that uh, muscle tissue, you know, in that joint. So even though even though that's not the gid anasha, medrabanan that's also. So you have a, what, what's medraisa asr, and now you have what's medrabanan. And now we have something else as well. A very rare thing that the Gemara records a minig. Records a minig. Take a look at Marmakam number seven. Marmakam number seven, the Gemara says in Chulan again, Sadi Aleph Amid Aleph, the Tanya, the Gemara records a Brisa, Shmenai, the fat that's over the Gid. So again, the, the, the Pasik says you're not allowed to eat the Gid. That's the sinew itself, but evidently that what grows and develops over this over the sinew is uh, fat. So says the Mish, says the Brisa, Shmenai Mutter. It's completely Mutter. Midraisa, it's Mutter. It's not the Gid and Asha. And Midrabanan also. The Yisrael Kedoshim, no go by Yisrael. But Klai Yisrael, that are Kedoshim, the minig was accepted not to eat even the fat that's connected to the Gid Hanashim. Okay? So this is what we have so far. Interesting enough, we, we have been hugging in Klai Yisrael, but the Gemara, for the Gemara to record a minig, it's uh, relatively rare. There's only a handful of times. But Gid Hanashim, we have this example. More than that, the Rishonim, it's funny, the Rishonim make a point of this. The Ran, for example, in Chulin, uh, the Rajba as well, and Taras Abayis, a bunch of Rishonim, like, make this point. And they say, like, uh, like it's a zach, that by Gid Anosha, we have Daraisa, we have Darabanan, and we have Minik. So Midraisa, we know what the Gid Anosha is, Midrabanan, they extended it further, and now you have even a Minig to that the fat of the Gid Anosha is also a problem. Okay. I think it's also a little bit of a funny thing. I mean, I, I'm not questioning the fact that we have Minhagim, it's such a thing, but it's like, it's highlighted over here. It's like highlighted. By Gid Anosha, we have all these three different Madragas. Okay. It needs explanation. Fine. So that's what the Gid Anosha is, which animals it applies to, what it is midraisa, what it is midrabanan, what the minig is. Okay. Now one other halacha that we'll mention, and then we'll 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 continue on to see where this takes us. Marmak number eight. The Gemara says in Chulin on Sadi Tesimid Beis, there's a, a, a basic machlokes tanoim, and then it becomes machlokes amaroyim. What is the what is the geranasha? In other words, we've identified what it is. But the thing is like this, you know, uh, generally speaking, when the Torah gives us halachas of things that are treif and kosher, we're dealing with things that are edible. They're, they're, they're technically edible, right? Chazer is edible, right? The Torah says, despite the fact that it's edible, don't eat it, right? The thing with the gid is a funny thing. Is the gid something that you would have thought of as something that's edible or not? So on the one hand, so it's machlekes and the tanayim. Some tanayim say, yeah, the gid is edible. It's a piece of meat. Uh, maybe a little chewy, but it's a piece of meat. So it's no different than anything else which is technically edible. And the Torah says, this is not kosher. Finished. If it's edible, and the Torah says don't eat it, then it's under the regular rules of kashras. And we know one of the basic rules of kashras, for example, is that if something's not kosher, not only is, the, is it not kosher, but the taste of it is also not kosher. So if you have something, let's say you have a piece of pork, right, and you cook it uh, in, a, in a kosher pot, and even if you then take out the pork and throw it away, the pot is treif. Why? Because the taste of the pork made its way into the pot. So what? The Torah said you can't eat pork. The answer is tam ke'ikr. The taste of something is like the object itself. But that's true if it has a taste and it's called food. <laughs> and it happens to be it's treif food. But if you're dealing with something that doesn't have taste, right? If let's say, for example, you literally, have, let's say you have a, a tree that was bowed down uh, by Avodazar. It's an Asherah tree, right? Okay, so it's Avodazar. You're not allowed to have benefit from Avodazar. 
you know, so let's say I take the bark of that tree and I boil it in my kosher pot. So is there anything wrong with my pot? No. Why? There's no, because there's, this, was not, this is not edible food and it doesn't have taste to go into my pot. It's just a piece of wood. There's nothing. I can't have benefit from the wood itself, but the, the classic rules of tam ke'ikr, that the taste of something has the severity, has the halacha significance of the thing itself, that's a food halacha. It's a food halacha. So the question is, what, are, what is a gedanasha? Is a gedanasha food, just a little bit chewy? And then in that case, it'll have the regular halachas of kashras. If you, you know, you roast a gedanasha, you know, uh, then not only is a gedanasha treif, but everything's treif because of it, because of the taste. Or no, eats ba'almu. Says the Gemara, no, maybe the other possibility is that's pushing a piece of wood. This is not an edible thing. And in the, the regular rules of kashras, we wouldn't have any issue with eating the gedanasha because it's, it's bechlal not food. Eitzu, and the Torah answered it. Despite the fact that it's not food, the Torah said, this is a piece, it's taka, a piece of wood. But don't chew it and swallow it. Treat it like, you know, you're not allowed to eat it, but technically it's not really eating. And again, the difference would be is that if it's a piece of wood, technically, uh, then it doesn't have taste, and it wouldn't trafe pots, and it wouldn't uh, trafe any other meat that it's being cooked with. So what, what's the deal with, with a gedanash? So it's important to know, is this something that's edible, and, despite, and, and, it became, and the Torah said it's trafe, or is it not edible? The Torah said, despite the fact that it's not edible, don't eat it. In other words, does it have the rules of tam ke'ikr? Does it have a taste to give off to trafe up other things? That's the, that's the question. Say it again. If you hold, well, it's, it's machlokes. If you hold that the gedanasha is eitz ba'alma, that it's just uh, basically a piece of wood, so to speak. It does, I've never tasted the gedanasha. No, so the fat, the fat of it. Oh, so the fat of it would definitely have a taste. The fat of it would definitely have a taste. The meat that that it's connected to certainly has a taste. But if you just isolated the sinew itself, just the sinew itself, you just simply isolate the gedanasha itself purely. So that the question is, does that have is that considered edible? Would that be considered edible or not? If without the Torah coming coming along, would that be considered edible? If it's not edible, then it doesn't halachically, it's not called food. I, the Torah says, don't eat it. Okay, the Torah said, don't eat this piece of wood. But it's not. But the thing itself is still not called food, and it wouldn't have the regular halachas of kashras, of, of trafing things up with its taste. It doesn't have, it's like, again, it's no, the, the Torah said, don't, uh, uh, you know, don't, bow, don't have any benefit from that tree. It doesn't have the regular rules of uh, of tam. It doesn't doesn't trafe things up. It doesn't have taste. So does the gedanosh have taste or not? Huh? Dam 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 is considered a food. Yeah, for sure. The world's out there. You know, there there's uh, drinking blood like this. Most places don't do. But cooking with it, cooking with it, yeah, for sure. There there's not that uh, I've ever had it, but there is definitely you know more. Uh, uh, Exotic and um, what's the word? Adventurous cuisines that uh, cook with blood for sure, for sure. So that's called food. So what what do we hold? So Marokka number eight, the Gemara Paskin Salitesim Veis Vehilchasa, Ein Begidim Anaisinta. That Gidim do not give off a taste. In other words, the way to think of the Gidanasha is is that it's really not edible by itself. Again, it's there's other stuff connected to it that is, but it itself is not edible, despite the fact that it's not edible. Afal Pikein. The Torah said, don't eat it. Okay, fine. That's the halacha. Now again, all these things, when we get to the premium side of things, it'll become a little bit 
we'll see a little bit the soul of Torah emerging out of these halachas. So these are the basic halachas that we have. Okay, now, let's move on to another aspect of the Gedanash, and from here we're going to transition to the Pinimia side of things. Marmakim number 9 is a Gemara Pesachim, okay? Like I said, most of these halachas of Gedanash are in Chulin, but there is a, a Gemara Pesachim, Chav and Aleph, that also discusses Gedanash, and an interesting halacha comes up. So it says like this, the Gemara Pesachim, Chav and Aleph, Gedanash. The question is, the Gedanash, so you're definitely not allowed to eat it. The, the Pasuk said, uh, what is it? The question is, whenever the Torah says don't eat, for the most part, it also means and also comes together with the prohibition of having benefit. So let's say, for example, Chametz on Pesach, you're not allowed to eat Chametz on Pesach, but you're also not allowed to have benefit. You don't have Hanav from Chametz on Pesach. And for the most part, whenever you have something that's usher, uh, to eat, it usually, usually carries with it a prohibition of benefit as well. So questions by the Gedanasha. Is one allowed to have benefit from the Gedanasha? So for example, if I want to, if I have a Gedanasha, um, the, the classic example of this would be, essentially the, the, the Mishnah's example of this is if I have a, you know, a thigh of an animal, right, with the Gedanasha included, and I want to give it as a gift to a non-Jew. So is that, would that be a problem? It's a problem giving a gift. But the answer is, by me giving him a gift, it means that now, like, he owes me something. And part of the gift that I gave him was a Gedanasha. So, to a certain degree, I just had benefit from the Gedanasha. So, does the Gedanasha, it's definitely usher to eat. Are you also prohibited from having benefit from it? Is it usher ba'na? So, says the Gemara like this. Gedanasha, it's machlakis. Gedanasha, mutter ba'na divi rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says the Gedanasha is permitted to have Hana. It's only eating, but there's no problem with Hana. That's Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Shimon Iser, Rabbi Shimon says, no, it's Aser. Hana is a problem. Okay. Whenever you have Machlagis Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon, the classic rule in Halacha is with Mishnayis, that we go like Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Shimon, rarely do we paskin like in Shas. Rarely do we paskin like Rabbi Shimon. So in this case, Rabbi Yehuda is the one that says it's Motar Bahana. And Rosh says, Aser. So classically, you would go with Rabbi Yehuda. And that's what most Rishonim say, that we go with Rabbi Yehuda. That's the halacha. But comes the Beis Yosef, in Marmach number 10, the Beis Yosef in Yerodeya, Simit Samachay, that's where these halachas of Gideon Asher talked about. And he brings down this, it's Machlekes again, whether it's Mutter Ba'ana or Rasa Ba'ana, Rabbi Yehuda versus Rabbi Shimon, and usually she should go with Rabbi Yehuda, and that's how the Rambam Paskins, the Rif, and so on. It says Beis Yosef, Miyu, the Sefer HaZoyer, Parshas V'Yishlach. But, says Beis Yosef, I found the Zohar Kaddish in Parshas V'Yishlach. Nira, over there it seems that the Zohar Kaddish says, Shagid Aser Bahana, that the Gid is Aser Bahana. That's what the Zohar Kaddish seems to say. V'lochein, Tog L'Zohar, Sefer Tzkedai, Yathri Machba, the Zohar Kaddish says, it's Aser Bahana. That's the, that's the Beis Yosef. Okay. Comes the Ramah in Darki Maisha and says, whoa, one second. Who wrote the Zohar Kaddish? Shimon, right? So, what is Zohar Kaddish adding anything that we didn't already know? We have Machlekes in Psachim. Rabbi Yehuda says it's Motor Bana. Rabbi Shimon says it's Aser Bana. Says the Beis Yosef, yeah, but the Zohar Kaddish says it's, uh, it's Aser Bana. So, but the Zohar is Rabbi Shimon. <laughs> it's just, it's just Rabbi Shimon recording his own Shita in a different Sefer called the Zohar Kaddish. Why does that make it any more, any more meaningful? Says the Dark Yemaisha, the Eni Maven Devarv. I don't have what the Beis Yosef is talking about. Kishamati, I heard. I mean, at this point, it's very accepted. He says, I heard. Kibal Sefer Zayar, who's Stam Reb Shimon, Hamoski Betalmud. I mean, the, the author of the Zohar Kaddish is Reb Shimon that we find in 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 Chazal Shuvah Shem Barichai. 
That's Rosh Hashem Reichai. V'apologim ebetalmut shalonu, and we already know that this is Rosh Hashem and Shita in the in the in the Brice in Psachim on Chav Beis Amud Aleph. The Rabbi Yehuda that that he he's the one that disagrees with Rabbi Yehuda in that in that Brice in Psachim. Umatir ba'ina, whereas Rabbi Shimon holds it's aser. Rabbi Yehuda permits it to have benefit from. For Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Shimon, Allah Rabbi Yehuda. And that's and we go with like Yudel usually. What do you bring from the Zara Kaddish? You, you, you're just bringing another place that Rabbi Shimon mentions his opinion. What, what, that doesn't if you if the Zara was written by uh, Rabbi Gamliel, okay. So then you're telling me it's two against one now. It's Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Gamliel against Rabbi Yudel. Maybe whatever, but it's the same Rabbi Shimon. So what's the difference now that you found his opinion recorded in the Zara Kaddish? It's the same Rabbi Shimon. Still, it's still Rabbi Shimon against Rabbi Yudel. Why would you? Why would that sway anything? So, Kainirali, that's what it seems to me, says the Ramah. I don't understand why the Zara would make any difference. So, the truth is, the, the question of the Ramah is, uh, makes a lot of sense. I mean, what, what's the basis of talking about it? It's Shimon. But it's more than that. Not only is, is the logic in this particular case difficult to understand, again, it's Machlagis anyway between Rabbi Yudah Shimon, and you're proving that we should go like Rabbi Shimon because the Zara says the same, that is Rabbi Shimon. So, the whole thing is a pala. But Bechlal, we find other places by the Beis Yosef. That the Beis Yosef did not take the Zara Kaddish any more seriously in halacha uh, to over to sway at all what we a decision that we would make just based on Gemara. I'll give you an example. Take a look at Maramukim number twelve. So this is a Beis Yosef in Hilchas Tefillin. Okay, we're talking get a Nasha, but in Hilchas Tefillin, so there's a Machlokes Rishayim, and it's based on Gemaras. How much brachas you're supposed to make when you put on Tefillin? Okay, how many brachas are you supposed to make? So it's a it's a big to do. Some Rishonim say to make two brachas, right? Laniach uh, tefillin and almitzas tefillin, right? Some Rishonim say one bracha, just laniach tefillin. It's a big, uh, big machlokes. And the Beis Yosef talks about, okay, so it's like anything else. You have machlokes, so you figure what to do. So there's different uh, approaches, how to figure it out. But, you know, whatever it is, we have the basic system in place of how to figure out halacha. It says the Beis Yosef like this. The Beis Yosef records from a late Rishon called the Agar. It's one of the Rishayim, and the Agar writes the following thing: The Agar brings down that I found in the Sefer Azayar that the Zara Kadosh says to make only one bracha on tefillin, and so the Agar. So that's that's what the Agar is talking about. The Agar brings down a machlekes how much brachas to make, and at the end the Agar says, but the Zara Kadosh says to make one bracha, and therefore the Agar ends off. So I don't understand how anyone could say not like the Zara. Hashem Baruchai says to make one bracha. How could anyone think not like that? If they saw the Zara, maybe they didn't see it. That's what the Agur says. Okay, this is all the Beis Yosef quoting the Agur. Now comes the Beis Yosef, and the Beis Yosef says, idea, lama tamal, why? What's the Agur problem? So the Zara says it. So what? So what? Why? Lama tamal There's many halachas. Shemitzin shakasav Rashbi b'sefer Zara. Rashimin writes in the Sefer Zara many halachas. Very often different than what the Gemara comes out with. They not and we don't go with that. We go with what it says in the Gemara, and we halacha. We just isolate our minds and we think what it says in Shas and Paiskim. Finished. The taima and the reason is because even knowing what Rabbi Shimon says in the Zayar, we don't we ignore what Rabbi Shimon says in the Zayar Kodesh in halacha if it contradicts. A maskana that we would come up with just based on Gemara. So says the Beis Yosef. So the Augurs make a whole big deal. Rabbi Shimon says to make one bracha. So what? It's a nice Indian when learning Zara Kaddish. Halacha l'maisa. Zara Kaddish does not sway us at all.
one second. So the, the same base Yosef and Ichas Tfilin says, don't pay attention to the Zarkadash at all when it comes to halacha. Comes to get anasha, not only is is is, is he saying the Zarkadash is so chashiv, it's the same Rabshimin. Just being, just his opinion being recorded in the Zayar makes it so chashiv that it overrides the classic halacha of going like Rabbi Yehuda. Chlal, what's going? So, so what's going on over here? Why? Why is all some by Gid Hanasha, like the Zar Kaddish is like Mamish, uh, and the same opinion recorded from a Mishnah, just recorded in the Zar Kaddish now becomes like Leaver. What's going on over here? Okay. The truth is, it's nice if you think about it. It's a Pelataka. You know, it, 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 we find such a thing that, you know, I, I mentioned before, Rabbi Yehuda against Rabbi Shimon, so we go with Rabbi Yehuda, B'derach Klal. It's Takapela, because in the Zohar Kaddish, we find this, Rabbi Yehuda is mentioned in the Zohar Kaddish, and Rabbi Yehuda in the Zohar Kaddish is one of the Talmidim of Rabbi Shimon, and he's literally kissing the, the dust that Rabbi Shimon Baruch walked on. So it's Mavashat Pella. In the Zara Kaddish, Rav Shimon is Baitsina Kadisha. He's the light of the seven days of creation. Everyone is bottled to Rav Shimon. And the same Talmidim who are bottled to Rav Shimon in the Zara Kaddish, in the Mishnayis, disagree with him. Okay, listen, fine. You know, the Tyra, you still have to say your opinion. But, and we don't pass him like Rav Shimon. How is it such a thing? You want to tell me that, that okay, we don't want to be so swayed by the Zara Kaddish to always pass him like Rav Shimon. I get it. But that B'derech Kla and Halacha, we, we almost never pass like Rav Shem. Kiseder, throughout Shas, we almost never pass like Rav Shem. There's always these rules in place to go against Rav Shem. If it's Rabbi Yehuda, we go to Rabbi Yehuda like this. We go, cannot never do pass like Rav Shem. And it's Masha Pella. This, it, it is the same Rav Shem as Arkadish, but Sina Kadisha, but Sina Denahara, and, and, and we don't pass like Rav Shem. Okay, so, so something strange is going on over here. Okay, so let's, let's go back to Gedanasha for a second. What, what, what's the panemius of Gedanasha? What's the name of Gedanasha? Why is it? I know there's the questions of why, but, but, um, but uh, God forbid, what happens if a Jew eats the Gedanasha? So it's a violation, but like, what's the panemius of the Isser? So if you take a look at Maramaka number 13, so there's a Zara Kaddish, also in Parshat V'yishlach. Let's read it together. Zara Kaddish is like this. Vamai Ikri Gedanasha. Why is it called the Gedanasha? Why is it called the Gedanasha? So, so it's interesting. Rashi in Chumash, for example, says the reason why it's called the word Gid Hanasha, the word Nasha, Rashi says, come, means, means to like move out of its proper place. So, for example, um, in, in Hebrew, Nashani means to forget. It's like a memory just got like jolted out of its place. So, anything that's moved, dislocated, that's what the word Nasha means. So, that's what's called Gid Hanasha because that was the sinew that got dislocated with Yaakov Venus fight. Zarkadish is a different reason. It's it's part of it. Why is it called a Gidanasha? Kalaimar. So the answer is Gid This is a the Gidanasha is a part of the body that's reflective, that's uh, that's a reflection of the part of who we are as human beings that makes us forget about their banishlaw. In other words, we all have that weakest link. You know, it's like we have a godly soul and it's Gavaldic, but at some point there's the Eitzahar too. Like we're like, how, how does that, where, where does that happen? Where, what what allow what gives space for the Eitzahar? What part of the Jewish person, physically, like spiritually speaking, allows place for the Eitzahar? Is the part that enlivens the Gedanasha. That's what the Gedanasha is. Says the Zara Kaddish. The Zara says the Zara Kaddish that. Gid the it is the gid that causes forgetfulness. Menasha comes to the word forgetfulness. The that makes a person forget from serving their master. 
the Taman Hu Yetzirah Revia, that's where the Yetzirah is pouncing, that's what's waiting to pounce. That's the, that's the, that's the place, that's the weakest part of who the Jew is. And because of this, the, Zark, the, the, the Pasuk says, Don't eat the Geranasha. In other words, by eating the Geranasha of an animal, what you're doing is strengthening that part of yourself, which is called the Geranasha. And what is the Geranasha in you? The part of you that's very, that has very, very dull spiritual sensitivity, very, very small consciousness. And the part of you that's extremely small and far from naturally being inclined to serve God, that's, being, that's, what, that's what allows Tivus, all the eights are is fueled by that. If a person had moichin the godless, had expanded consciousness, had a, had a, 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 a strong sensitivity to ruchnis, there'll be no space for Yetzar, so to speak, in their life. But because there's such a thing that's called katnus, that smallness, that's, 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 that's the din, that's rigid, that's constricted, now there's a possibility of actually sinning and going against the Rabbanish Lailam. That part of you, that part of us, that's, that's a reflection of everything that's tiny and small within us, that's the Gedanasha. And so by eating a Gedanasha of an animal, it's strengthening that part of, our, uh, of ourselves, which we don't want to be strengthened. That's the side. Now the Zarkadish continues. The Isba Barnash Shasagidim. Now you should know that a person has 635, uh, 365, I'm sorry, 365 sinews, right? We know. Ula kabalei And we know 365 sinews correspond to 365 uh, 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 loisases, uh, negative mitzvahs. Ula kabal shesayoyman. And there's also 365 days. So says as our Kavich, we have this parallel now, right? Every particular sinew of the body is going to parallel a particular prohibition, which is also going to parallel a particular day of the year. Okay, so the Gid Hanosha, which is a sinew, is obviously going to parallel what prohibition? The Gid Hanosha, right? What day of the year is the Gid Hanosha of time? What day of the year is the smallest, tiniest, kadnas, 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 the most, the day that allows space for the enemies to come? It says the Zarakadosh, Vatishabav Chad Ben That's the day of Tishabav. So on, on the, the Within the 365 days of the year, Tishabav corresponds to the Gid Hanosha. The Iula Kabul Sam, because that's the day that is, uh, that is most receptive, unfortunately, to the enemy, to the Samach to the Sudden. That's why the Torah says, don't eat the Gid Hanosha. It says, don't eat S Ha Gid Hanosha. What's S is always the rabbis. S is coming to add something. What is S coming to add? S, let's go Tishabav. Comes to Tishabav. So it says, means don't just eat, don't eat the Gedanasha, but don't eat on a day that's Gedanasha dick. And that's the remez to not eat on Tishabav. That's a Zarkadish. Okay. What does this do with Rishim Barichai? So in the Sefer Yitzir, we're taught that every single Shevet corresponds to a particular month. So we know every month is also defined based on the most famous day of that month. So Tishabav is Gedanasha. Tishabav is Gedanasha. Tishabav is Dev Katnas. Din, 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 din. Constriction, small, tiny, 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 tiny. Leading to Averis, leading to all problems, leading to Golas. That's what Tishabav is. And so all of the month of Av is defined by that day of Tishabav, right? Where the, the nine days uh, start uh, from, from Rosh Chodesh Av and so on. Who's the Shevet of the month of Av? Shimon. Shimon. There's a Kabbalah that we have. Ritzalik records this goes back to earlier Kavmanim as well, that Rishim Baichai was a Gilgal of Shimon, from the Shevet Shimon. We find such a thing that the Shevet Shimon was taka predisposed to issues, 
to, to difficulties. For example, Shimon and Levi. Levi is a separate discussion, but Chazal say Shimon says to Levi, "Oh, Balchaloimus, Yisvat Tzadik." Shimon is the one who had an issue with with Yisvat Tzadik. He wanted to get rid of Yisvat Tzadik during the time of the Midbar. So the the Nasi of Shevet Shimon, right, uh, uh, Zimri ben Solu, he has a relationship with 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 a non Jewish woman. Twenty four thousand members of the Shevet Shimon die. Shimon has a difficult Indian. Shimon is the same words as Sham Avain. Over there is sin. And who is the Gilgal of Shimon? Shimon. This is in fact why in Nigla we don't pasch like Rishon. Just like we don't eat the Giranosha, just like we don't want to be mechazek, that Indian of din, of katness, of smallness, of strictness, of Sham Avain, we don't pasch like Rishon because of that. We don't want to. We don't want to pass like Rishim. Pass like Rishim means we're even kasher ourselves to that Indian. Rishim means me. This then. This is why even the famous Gemara of Rishim and Pre Cave, the whole mice over there, right? That is him. He's having a discussion with Rabbi Yehuda, right, about the Romans. And Rabbi Yehuda says, "Oh, the Romans do makar They do good things, you know, bridges and so on. We're able to learn because of them." And Rishim says, "No, no, no. You don't chap what the Romans are about. See, Rishim." The get anosha chaps the Yitzhar, you understand? Because that that that, it, 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 that that's the part of the person that allows the samach bem into your life, so it, it understands that. The higher levels of, of, of the neshama doesn't even chap the whole sugi of the Yitzhar. Rabbi Yudah is coming from a higher place. Rabbi Yudah is ches, Rabbi Yudah is meichet negadlas, is gula. Rabbi Yudah doesn't chap what the Roman's motivation is. He can't. But Rabbi Shimon... Sham Avon, Rishim is Midas Adin, Rishim is that smallness, that kadness, that's Gidanashadek, it's Tishabav, the month of Av, That's why even the name Shimon, Swarm bring down, this is a big claw by Darizal, that the word, the word Shmiya, the power of hearing versus, versus vision, for example, hearing is always very constricted. You, when you see something, you can see the whole picture all at once. But if you're hearing, you only hear piece by piece. You can't hear two things at the same time. The nature of hearing is that it's very constricted. Constriction means small, tiny. Whenever, whenever you have big, that's always an area that's not under, that doesn't allow the Yitzhahar. Like I mentioned by Shal Shudas, Shirish, big, high, 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 usually very few. Uh, that's not where the Yitzhahar lives. The Yitzhahar finds its way in, in prut, in prut, in details, this small, tiny, tiny, tiny. That's where the Yitzhahar thrives. That's the, the thicket of Pratim, that's really so. Shmia, the power of hearing, is very much associated with Midas The irony of all ironies, though, is that that same Rav Shimon, all of a sudden, Zarka, this is Rav Shimon Bar Yechai, right? His different name, right? In the in the Gemara, there's a, there's a, there's a tradition we have that when he's called Rav Shimon, it's pre cave. When he's called Rav Shimon Bar Yechai, it's post cave. By adding that name of Bar Yechai, something changes, and not only does Rav Shimon then not, so not only does then Rav Shimon not mean Gullus, Rav Shimon means Gula. It says in Zarka that everyone knows, you know, by Lag Baimer, the Sifran Da, right, Eliot Moshe Rabbeinu said to, to, to Rav Shimon Bayechai, the Sifran Da, with your Sefer, the Sefer Azar, Yafkin Miglus Brachmi, we're going to get out of Gullus with Rachmin. What's going on over here? Rav Shimon, the same Rav Shimon, who's Midas Adin, we dafka don't pass him like him because we don't want to associate ourselves with the tkifus, with the strength of Midas Adin, the Gidanasha Inyan, which is by Rav Shimon. And dafka, all of a sudden, the Zarkadish becomes. The answer is, is a big klal in Pnimis Atayra. And if you take a look at, um, you know, go to the bottom, Maramaka number 16. There's a line from the Maral in Etzach Yisrael, Perak Yud Gimel. 
The Moral says an amazing thing. He's going on a famous Gemara. The Gemara says a whole Maisa. Everyone knows. The Gemara says that Lassid Lavai, Hashem Yisbarach is going to go to Avram Avinu and he's going to say, Avram Avinu, Kal Yisrael sinned. Everyone's going to say, okay, what can I tell you? So get rid of him. He goes to Yaakov. Yaakov says, right, get rid of him. So he goes to Yitzchak Avinu. Yitzchak says, oh, my, they, my, my children sinned. Oh, by Nasa Vinishman, they're your children. Sinning, they're my children. And he goes to defend us and makes the whole Cheshman uh, taking care of our affairs. And it's ironic. It's Yitzchak Avinu. Says the Maral, The secret is, Gula, there's two ways for Gula to happen. One way for Gula to take place is that Taka, Taka, Klai Yisrael are small, tiny, running after small things, low places, get in Ashadik, Tishavav Dik. But Afal Pikein, Vuhu Rachom, Yechap Rav, please just have Rachmanis and send this to Gula, despite the fact that we talk are undeserving. That's not a Gula Shlema. That's not a Gula Shlema. That was what Pesach was, right? Pesach was we were undeserving. Yeah, okay, a few mitzvahs, undeserving. The Rachamim took us out, but guess what? It didn't last, right? There's a Gullus after Gullus and so on. We don't want a Gula that just is chesed overwhelming me this adem. We don't want that. What we want is a geula that is coming from such a deep place that it reveals that even within the katnas, even within the darkness and the gid quality of the Jew, within that, it's truthfully molayar. And despite the fact that a Jew is running towards, towards bad things, what he's really running towards is the Rabbani Shlomo. This is the giloi of Rabbi Shimon Bayechai and the Zara Kaddish. The Zara Kaddish is not just some uh, deeper ideas. Everything in the Zara Kaddish is revealing one truth, one single truth, which is that all is God, and all that the Jewish person ever wants is God himself. That's, that's summing up all of Pneum I, the Jew, doesn't seem to want God. He seems to want uh, Arias and Shri Chazdamim and Avoy the Zara. The answer is that he just doesn't know. He doesn't, he's looking for God. He just doesn't chop that God's not, that, that, that's not the place to look for him. But what he's, what he's looking for, what he's being attracted to, is Rabbani Shlomo. That's what all Pneus is about. So you, it's Davka Rab Shimon. It's Davka Rab Shimon who is going to be the one to, that needs, he needs to be the one to reveal the deepest secrets of Tyra in order to be mamtik, in order to sweeten those judgments that Rab Shimon Baruchai is, that, that Rab Shimon is connected to. And this is why in the Zara Kaddish, we add Baruchai, we add we identify, see a person can be identified, who are you? Your name is Shimon, okay. But where do you come from? Oh, I come from Yechai, I come from my father. When you give a father's name, the bar, bar or ben something, it means that you're not just saying who the person is, you're giving his origin. And so, by, the name Shimon means katna, smallness, it means midas adin, it means geranasha. But when I say, Rabbi Shimon, Bar Yechai, what I'm saying is, it's taka true there's smallness by the Jewish people, and there's a tish above, and there's reasons why there's galas. But Bar Yechai means, that, but, but where does that really come from? Where does all the drive to do Averis come from? What's, what's really motivating the Jew behind the scenes? You're not just identifying the person, you're identifying his origin, where he comes from ultimately, what's his deeper motivation? That's what the father always represents. The child represents the thing itself, the decision itself to run to this place but the father means it means the chachmai it means like why why what's the re- deeper motivation Rav Shem Bayechai is the one that reveals the deep motivation behind every decision a Jew makes good or bad it has to be Rav Shem 
It has to be Rishimit. You couldn't have had some other Tana that represents all Chesed. Because then, the, then that's not a Gul Shleima. A Gul Shleima means Davka, the deepest light of all. You, could, you need the deepest light of all to reveal the unbelievable Chesed and the unbelievable expansiveness that's actually contained in the smallest, cottonous, darkest places in the Jew. So, Reb Shem Baruchai, so there's two different Reb Shemans. There's Reb Shimon and Nigla, which is just Reb Shimon. That's Midas Adin. He represents smallness and everything that's wrong with a person. You don't pass like him. But Reb Shimon Baruchai, in the Zara Kaddish, is saying all that stuff that you thought was terrible that, that, about the Jew in, in Nigla eyes, the Zara Kaddish says, it was all Mali R, it's all full of light, it's all divine. And Adarabah, the, 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 the ultimate tikkun for the Gid Hanasha is not just not to eat it. Here, let's go back. What was the Gid Hanasha? The Torah says, don't eat the Gid Hanasha. Why? Because you, you don't want to have, we shouldn't fall into Averis. But there's always two approaches, there's always two prongs to that approach. There's one, okay, so don't eat it, Maskin. But that's not ultimately fixing the problem. The ultimate fixing of the problem is not just not to eat the Gid Hanasha. Because you might not, by not eating Gidanasha, means you're not increasing the strength of your Gidanasha. You're not fixing it. How do you fix the Gidanasha? The ultimate purpose of this, of this mitzvah is not just not to avoid bigger problems. Every mitzvah is there to fix something. So certainly part of fixing the Gidanasha is not to make the problem worse. Not to confound the problem. So if you go to the doctor and then there's some sickness that you have, so there's, you want the doctor, there's two things the doctor has to tell you. First of all, he's to tell you certain things are going to make your problem worse. So don't do those things, but that's not enough. You also want to have an eight, so how to fix the problem. So when the Gidanasha, the Mitzvah Gidanasha is about fixing the Gidanasha, but there's two parts to it. There's don't eat the Gidanasha, fine, and that may, means I'm not going to make the problem worse, but there's also, okay, but I need to be misakin that katnas. The only way to be misakin that katnas is by revealing what? The deepest light of all, which is the Zarekadosh himself. The same Reb Shimon, who's Tishabov, who's Gidanasha, who we don't paskin like in Nigla, we dafka, we dafka need to paskin like him in the Zarekadosh. Because it's dafka in the Gidanasha sugya that we need the Zarekadosh to, 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 to ultimately shed light on, on, on fixing the Gidanasha. So we had a problem. Right? We had a kasha. I understand. Usually in halachah, we don't pass like Rav Shimon. All of a sudden, the same opinion that's recorded by Rav Shimon and Mishnah is, but now it's recorded in the Zarek Kaddish. Oh, go with the Zarek Kaddish. The answer is, there's something special about the Zarek Kaddish, particularly with the Gedhanosha, because a record, a mem, a, revela, a, a mimer of Rav Shimon in the Zarek Kaddish is not just okay. He happens to record his opinion in a different book. When it's recorded in the Zarek Kaddish, it means it's a revelation of that light that's so potent and so deep. That it's able to rev- to sh- to to make even the gidhanasha glow, even that smallest part of a person is able to glow through the light of Rav Shem and that's dafka the point of the isra of gidhanasha, not just not to eat it, not to eat it, but to be masak in that part of you. That's the gidhanasha. The only way to be masak in that part of you, that's the gidhanasha, is what is by light, by shedding the deepest light upon it. That's the only way you can do that. Again, like the Maral says, kashayir lo oimek hadin When you get to the oimek, the deepest part. The deepest part of things, that's where you're able to, to, to reveal light to the lowest places. So, the, the, so in other words, the shleimus of the mitzvah of Gidanosha, in, in halacha, what's Gidanosha? Just avoid compounding the problem. Don't eat more Gidanosha. But that's never the full solution. The, 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 the mitzvah is not just about not making the problem worse, it's about fixing the problem. So how do you fix the problem? Not by overwhelming it with chesed. That's a ghoul of Pesach. That doesn't fix the problem. To fix the problem means to shed, to, to reveal such a deep light that 
Davka, a light that's able to illuminate even the darkest of places. And therefore you Davka have Reb Shimon who embodies the darkest of places, revealing that deepest light of the Zohar Kaddish. And therefore the, everything Rosh Hashim says in the Zohar Kaddish, particularly with Gedanasha, is most important. Is most important. Even if it's the same halacha that he says in Shas, recording it in, in Zohar Kaddish makes it a whole different experience. And by by paskening, by, by going with a, with a psak of Reb Shimon in the Zara Kaddish means that you're opening up that light of exaltedness that's able to illuminate even the lowest part of who you are and that's exactly the point of the Gidanash that's exactly the point of this mitzvah to be masak in that let's go back to some of the halachas remember that story with the butcher it's like what's going on Shmuel he's scaring him not scaring him the answer is that's exactly the whole of Gidanash the whole of Gidanash is to have that sitter of like whoa there's a part of it that's talking very, very low, and there's a part of it that almost fed shreif to Shmuel. But at the same time, the, the site of Giranasha is, but there's a light that illuminates. There's a light that illuminates. Shimon, so, so what does Shmuel do? He scares him. And he says, you should know what you're capable of on a bad day. But at the same time, you should know, even on a bad day, it wasn't so terrible. That itself is a site of Gidanasha. That that's the ultimate secret of Gidanasha. You're talking capable of low things, but you should know even that part of it's capable of low things in Pneumius is full of light. It's full of light. That's exactly the secret of Gidanasha. Let's go back. Let's go back as well. That's why. That's why all of the halachas, if you remember, on a derisa level, was revolving around the kaf hayorich, right? Okay. Stam the Rebbeinu Shalom just chose this random, like okay, a joint that looks like a chaf. That's like a circle. That's going to be the going what's to... What's the, what's the significance of that? There's a, there's a principle. When we started this, this series, I told you this from the Kamarna. There are 613 mitzvahs plus seven midrabanans, like Hanukkah and Atil Sittayim and so on, all together. 613 plus seven is 620. Equals begarachia, the word keser. And there's exactly 620 letters in the Aserza Divers. And so the, the Kamarna has a mahalach that every single one of the mitzvahs parallels a particular letter of Aser Sedivus. This is the third mitzvah, according to the Chinuch's calculation. And what is the third letter of Aser Sedivus? The first word is Anoichi. The third letter is Aleph, is the first, first letter. Nun, Chav. Aleph, Nun, Chav. So the third letter, Chav, is corresponding to the Gid Hanasha. So right away you have Chav. Kaf Hayorach. Kaf Hayorach. But deeper than that. Take a look at Marmokka number 14. This is the Oitzra Chaim, this is the Kamarna in Mitzvah Gimel. The Nirmaz Mitzvah Zais Bechaf Da Anoichi, right? Mitam Kitam Al Kaf Ayorach. So that's appropriate. The, the Mitzvah is revolving around that part of the body that's called the Kaf, okay? Ubeemes Tam Akaf Lesoid Akasar. And you should know, the Kamarna says from the Zarka that we find this, that the letter Chaf is also the first letter of the word Kasar, which means crown. Va'alov Nemar, what does the crown mean? Crown in Kabbalah is always a term that, that corresponds and, 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 and symbolizes the highest light, the deepest light, a light that transcends. And therefore, says, says the command of Allah Nemar, when that light of Keser is revealed, what does the Pasuk say? Ein Elohim Imadi, there's no other gods besides me. In other words, Elohim, in this context, means Avodah Zara. There's no foreign gods. In other words, Ki Kaifa Umamtik Kol Elohim. This light of Kesar has the ability to soften, to subdue, and to sweeten. All, all Elohim, all Elohim. Umachris kol klipis, it cuts off all the klipis. So in other words, says, said the Kamarna, the, the Kesar, when the, the deepest light of all is illum, illuminates, then what happens? Then all, 
all of the uh, fall to the wayside. Then a yid is revealed to be Molik Kedusha. So Dafka the Gid Anosha, and, and what is the, the Kasser is connected, says Azar, with the first letter of the word Kasser is Chaf. So Dafka the Gid Anosha is revolving around the Chaf. Because that's the secret of Gid Anosha, not just to avoid compounding the problem, but the premise of Gid Anosha is to reveal the secrets of Torah in such a way that it, uh, that it illuminates everything. Even the, even the Gid Anosha becomes illuminated by the Chaf, by the Kasser. And this is, if you take a look at Maramukha number 15, so this is from the Kutumaran. Again, uh, it's part of a completely different discussion. Rav Nachman in, 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 in Simon Pei Beis, and the Kutumaran says the following thing, Shehamalchus Nikris Hanikra Dalid Okay, Malchus is not Negea for us right now. But Nachman says there's a part of the Jew which is mamish empty and low, and that's the Gedanosh that we're talking about, the lowest part of who we are, Rav Shimon in the Gemara, very low, very uh, dark, and as a Zark, and, and says, says Rav Nachman, that corresponds to the letter Dalit. Letter Dalit. The letter Dal, letter Dalit comes from the word Dal, which means empty, impoverished, doesn't have anything of its own, shvach, opens doors for negative things. But V'akadosh Baruch Hu but in order to enliven the Dalit, in order to give life to the Gidanasha, the Rabbana Shalom gives Chiyas, Mechachma, from the highest place, from the highest level of Chachma, is the letter Yud. Vizeh Yud. And therefore, says Rav Nachman, this is the secret of the letter Yud. The letter Yud, if you spill it in full, as he does over here, is Yud Vav Dalit. The Vav means always connecting. Vav is a bridge. So Yud Vav Dalit means that the letter Yud, that, that Yud means the Rabbana Shalom taking the letter Yud, which is the highest, and through the Vav, which is like the channel, bring it all the way to the Dalit, illuminating the Dalit. V'zeh, and said Rav Nachman, this is the meaning of the Pasuk, V'toshes alai kapecha, that Hashem, you've placed your hand upon me. Hainu yud kematri yechav. Said Rav Nachman like this, kapecha means your hand, but it also means chafecha, your chaf. Chaf, what's the gematria of, the, of chaf? Chaf is 20. That's the gematria, yud vav Dalit. Right? In other words, if you take it, again, yud vav Dalit is... It, vav Dalit are 6 and 4, that's 10. That's 20 altogether. Yud Vav Dalit is 20. So again, let's, let's sum it up. Yud Vav Dalit represents what? The Rebbe taking the highest level of wisdom, and Davka, Davka, the highest level of wisdom, the letter Yud, flowing all the way down to illuminate the lowest level, which is, which is the letter Dalit. Instead of Nachman, Yud Vav Dalit equals Begumatria 20, and that's the letter Chaf in the Aleph base. Let's go back to Gedanosha. Gedanosha is all revolving around the Chaf. Because that's exactly the secret of Gedanasha, to take Davka, the highest tires of the Zara Kaddish, or Rashim Barichai, and to Davka, because of the highest places, to illuminate the lowest levels of Gedanasha, which is Tishav of itself. And because of that, Yafkan Yisrael Menglusa Barachmi. And that's the secret of Gedanasha. No. So, how, how, do we, how do we fulfill the mitzvah of Gedanasha if we're not like being offered it? The answer is by opening up within ourselves and within Torah the deepest levels of light that we can possibly have, like there's Hashem coming soon as Yitzhak's kiss, the whole ending, that's the whole ending of, of, of Chesidus and so on, Pnimi Satayra, so by, by illuminating our lives with the deepest lights of Hashem Barichai, that those are the only lights capable of illuminating the lowest parts of who we are. And by illuminating the lowest parts of who we are, that itself is a kiyam. That's the point of the mitzvah of Gedanasha. So Aleph, it means not to not to increase smallness in our lives, but Adarab, no, not, not just to avoid eating more Gedanasha, not just to avoid smallness, but to increase bigness, greatness. And when we have that expansiveness, then everything else is illuminated. Okay? We should be zaycha to uh, have that light revealed. And the Gulashleim of Amitis, Meher Amen.